So my guest today is here as a result of a comment he left on LinkedIn. I had posted an interview with the topic of servant leadership uh, and had referred to this in the podcast I had put out. And my guest left the following comment. That's not servant leadership. <laughs> so when I looked at his profile, my instant reaction was, this guy knows his servant leadership from his elbow. And he owns his own business and amongst other things, trains organizations on the topic of servant leadership. So I invited him on the podcast today to discuss it. Daryl Mann, you're very welcome. Thank you, Paul. Absolute pleasure to be here to speak with you around servant leadership. Um, I, I'm happy that I came across that comment on, on LinkedIn myself and had an opportunity to engage with, I suppose, what is often or can be a misunderstood concept. Um, it has a lot of social and cultural connotations, the word itself. So I, I, I did think it would be important. Maybe we could have a conversation and, and try sure. and unpack that a little bit more. Okay, well, why don't we start with the basics? What is servant leadership and how does it differ from what we typically see in sales organizations today? Okay, brilliant. Great question. <clears throat> so I, I probably, first of all, it's probably important to mention that a lot of what happens in organizations is probably not leadership and could probably be construed more as management and management perspectives. But to answer your question, servant leadership specifically is a whole idea and I suppose a bit of a philosophy um, and, and I suppose life trajectory in, in many certain circumstances for people. And it's about the whole idea of putting the needs of stakeholders first as the first priority. So that may be share owners, it may, employees, customers and the organization itself. So the leaders coming from the perspective of their reorientating that selfish need or egotistical need towards others. Um, and it's an ethical approach and it's a moral approach and it's about really developing those around you to the best that you can and then making them the experts in their positions and roles within the organization. Okay, I heard it described, I wrote this down, is the desire to serve first and put the interest of others ahead of one's own is a unique mm -hmm. aspect of servant leadership. Is that not a little bit unrealistic? Okay, in I suppose to take it as in a literal sense, I'd probably agree with you. And it does come across as a fluffy concept. And we just look at that and say, like, what the heck is this? What, what, what are these guys on about? Organizations can't run like that. And I actually believe when we take it at face value like that, I would tend to agree with you. However, if we actually get into the literature and get into servant leadership, what we're looking at there is this is not the leader you know, holding doors open, mopping people, the floor for people, doing other people's jobs. Um, that would be ridiculous. Um, and it wouldn't be servant leadership. That'd be more micromanaging people. So when we're talking about needs, we're talking about other people's higher order needs, sort of developmental needs, often based on, I suppose, psychological processes and their professional development needs as they pertain to their, I suppose, lifelong career trajectory. So you're, you're putting into people and you get that back 10 times. You referred to somebody by the name of Earhart, and I'm sure that's not the uh, aviator you're referring to. <laughs> uh, you said in an article, Earhart put forward a seven-characteristic model with a servant leadership scale to measure it. Yes. Uh, and, and the seven were, and perhaps we could maybe use this as a, as, as a backbone to, to look at examples in the real world and how we can maybe move closer to... I think what you're telling me is servant leadership, as it's described, is really an ideal that we should be moving towards and away from more hierarchical, uh, micromanaging type of organizations. Fair? 
Absolutely, Paul. I think just to come in there, there's an important point to pick out there. I think when servant leadership was first articulated by Robert Greenleaf, who was really the originator of the theory itself, that was the, uh, I suppose, the best definition of the concept we had. So the servant leader is servant first. It, it comes with a natural um, a feeling that one wants to serve the serve force. Then, you know, one goes on to lead. And, and the, you know, so there's the whole paragraph there, definition. That is really, it's hard to actually then um, break that down and put that into characteristics and I suppose, how do you operationalize that statement? And much of the research over the last 30 years or so has been looking at like Earnhardt's and there's, there's probably about 20 different models of servant leadership yeah. with a hundred yeah. characteristics. But I suppose what I'm saying is the, the list is not exhaustive. Once you have yeah. the core elements of servant leadership, such as I wrote in that article about the, yeah. the idea of servant force, it doesn't really matter which ones you use. Yeah. And in that sense, it can be, I suppose, utilized to a wider audience yeah. as well. So there is a, a, a lot of different models and scales yeah. out there, but we are getting much, much clearer on what it is now in research. Okay. And you see, there, therein lies one of the problems, Daryl, is as soon as you say there's so many different models and characteristics, we, we lose people straight away. We need yeah. to simplify this so Absolutely. maybe if we take these and i just thought these were simple to 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 understand and we could use these as 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 a backbone uh, first one was forming relationships with subordinates empowering subordinates helping subordinates mm -hmm. grow and succeed and uh, mm -hmm. behaving ethically putting subordinates first uh, having conceptual skills creating value for those outside the organization now when i when i looked at these and I, i'll be straight i didn't go into these in, in a lot of detail but mm -hmm. what jumped out at me two things one was the language subordinates i've always had a problem with that language because mm -hmm. that in itself seems to me to be undermine the whole concept of servant leadership as i understand it okay the second uh -huh. one is having conceptual skills mm -hmm. um how do you how do you define that conceptual in itself is would seem to uh suggest that it's something that is ethereal in nature but yeah. let's take it one by one okay. forming relationships with use your words stakeholders those who work mm -hmm. with us yes and okay. um and, and and why is that do you think on the list for servant leadership one would have thought that that was pretty self-evident okay um all right, I suppose Earnhardt's scale would be my, I, I've actually put my own scale kind of together now, okay. but just to say that the, again, just, I just really want to reiterate the importance of this, that there is a lot of different characteristics, but although they may be used to operationalize servant leadership itself, there really needs to be the core um, philosophy of servant leadership, which, which is the outward orientation towards others the needs of others as the first priority, the higher order needs, and then building one-to-one -one relationships. So building one-to-one -one relationships is a key aspect of servant leadership. And that's done for a number of reasons. I suppose, first of all, we probably all had cold standoffish leaders. They may have been managers before. And what that can do to an organization, how do you identify the needs of those people you're working with if you're not building a relationship. So servant leadership is about prioritizing one-to-one -one relationships and communicating with those people in order to find out their needs, their interests, their desires, and what it is they, I suppose, bring to the organization and where it is they, they want to go. So without relationships, servant leadership can't happen. Yeah. Well, is that what we would have called in the old days of getting out from behind your desk and walking the floor and talking to people? 
I think it is, but I think it also goes a little bit beyond that. Just to say that a lot of the stuff that's in servant leadership will be seen in other leadership models. The really one difference between servant leadership and all the other leadership approaches is that the, the, the leader moves their focus from the organizational goals now this bit may be a little bit difficult for some people to kind of grasp before not actually grasp but actually say well you know why would you do that so the leader's ability to move their focus from the organization to the to the employee so you i suppose if you look at transformational leadership if we can use that for an example it's really similar to servant leadership however the the the, the difference there is that transformational leaders are looking to align their employees' intentions with the goals of the organization. Servant leadership is actually looking to, to, to serve the needs of the employees first. However, indirectly then all the organizational outcomes. Yeah, because <laughs> as I hear you say that, what I'm thinking is uh, it's the goals of the organization that determine whether I get promoted or not, or whether I'm considered yeah. as relevant or not. Absolutely. And that's always going to be front and center in people's minds. I agree with you. Okay, so how do you get away from that? Okay, just to say that an organization has a mission, it has its values. Now, be this, you know, sales targets, be this, um, um, even outside of that public sector, charitable sector, every organization has its mission. And the mission often goes beyond making money. Making money is often an end outcome or, or a goal of that mission, and um, be it Apple or whoever it is, whatever it is you're selling. So you have your mission, your values, you have your governance, you have your policies, and you have accountability. Oh. Servant leadership is not about not having that. Actually, servant-led organizations are probably some of the strongest within that type of accountability oh. space. They need to be when you're also working within the developmental space. If we look at some of the top Fortune 500 companies, um, Southwest Airlines, all these really, really big companies that are making a heap load of money, many of them are servant-led or servant leadership organizations and these type of companies don't do that at the expense okay. of, of finance so i guess the so what the research tells us if i can go into that for a moment is yeah. that so servant leadership indirectly affects organizational outcomes so instead of focusing on them exclusively at the expense of the employee we're focusing on the employee indirectly all these outcomes happen so just to take the last two or three meta-analysis that have come out, I, I don't want to get too technical and I'm not sure about people's research, but meta-analysis brings together lots of different studies and pulls them in together and to look at overall outcomes. It gives us a much more clear picture of what's happening with something, in this case, leadership. And the last couple of meta-analysis tell us this, and I've actually written out a list. Servant leadership is associated with organizational commitment, work engagement, employee performance, organizational citizenship citizenship behavior which is the extent that a person will do extra work beyond that that they're contracted for and um, turnover intention born out employee organizational fit customer service trust creativity and innovation and service climate culture in addition to um profit as well uh, so these are really all the metrics that somebody may I suppose, evaluate their organization against. And if we're having all these outcomes 
And I suppose, in put it into comparison, the main competitors, if you will, to servant leadership would probably be transformational and authentic leadership. And servant leadership, based on the last three meta-analysis, shows that it has pre predictive validity um, by about 12% over these other leadership approaches. So it's, what's, that's basically saying is that it predicts these outcomes a little bit more than the other leadership approaches. So, so it's really how, how is it different from authentic leadership? That's Again, the first priority, the service force. That's the it's the absolute um, differentiating factor between servant leadership and any other leadership. So an authentic leader might say, I don't give a shit about what your goals are. My <laughs> goals are this, and you either get with the program or move somewhere else. That's Absolutely. been authentic. It is being attentive, but look what's happening then to the, to the staff team. You won't have a staff team for much longer. So if, if, if your organization, and you see this with um, autocratic leaders and bad leaders and managers, is that turnover is really high. HR are constantly looking for employees. Um, employees do not identify with the organization. Work engagement, and that when I say work engagement, I mean that there's a sense, emotional connection to the work that's characterized by vigor energy um, and positive feelings these are people who are the exact opposite of those that are turning up just to get the paycheck at the end of the week when you have employees like that you have superior right. so so let's 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 test this i um, have an organization and i'm in the tech space where i it's it's a booming sector mm -hmm. and it can be very hard to find employees with the right certainly in this country with language skills they're yeah. selling into across europe and so they're in demand. So my best employees are being targeted by everybody else. So that's, that's on one side. Yeah. On the other side, then I've got these uh, young people coming out of college, expecting that they're going to be promoted within six months. Yes. And that they don't stay in a job longer than they They don't stay long enough to master anything and their mm -hmm. expectations I won't get into why their expectations are unrealistic, but for a lot of them, they're unrealistic. Yes, that's and, and, and And that's my dilemma. I've got these mm -hmm. uh, people who still have snot on their sleeve mm -hmm. and their expectations are, I want this promotion, I want this, I want, mm -hmm. I want that, and your job is to give it to me or mm -hmm. else I'm off. Okay. And the problem is they typically can go because there's demand elsewhere. Yeah. What I, would a servant leadership, a servant leader do in that scenario? Because I know what I would do, which is one of the reasons why I'm not a manager in an organization. <laughs> <laughs> I don't have the temperament nor the skills for that situation. And I'm putting okay. my hands up, can't do it. Look, self-awareness there, and self-awareness is one of the core attributes of servant leadership as well. Oh, okay, that's a great question. Okay, so let's let, I suppose there's a couple of layers that I can unpack there. I guess, first of all, the servant leadership, although they, they're serving others' needs, they're also accountable to the wider stakeholders. So that's the organization, the communities, and indeed the shareholders or the board of management. And if you're constantly, you know, I suppose, giving away, I suppose, a, a, a way to describe it, well, then you're not really being accountable in that space. And therefore, you're not maybe not practicing ethically. So it's not about just throwing things at people. Well, what a servant leadership leader would do in that situation is help develop those individuals and offer them opportunities maybe to take on different roles where they're going to get more responsibility they coach them they mentor them and they'll even you know pay for educational opportunities if the funding is there but then that's this is what we're back to it's about serving that higher 
order developmental needs. So it's not, you know, you know, do this, do that, open this door. That's not what it is at all, but it's about serving those. So we serve those people, we help develop them and we, you know, we lift them up and then we can actually, then they can be actually in a position there to go for, <laughs> go for promotions, etc. So, it, you know, it's about developing that person in that space, but also while having that accountability there as well. No, look, I've been somewhat, uh, I'm exaggerating for effect probably because I do know, because I've worked with a lot of people like this and, and what, I, what I love is their enthusiasm is, and, you know, so maybe their expectations in terms of timeframes are unrealistic, but what's mm-hmm. really good about it is that desire mm-hmm. to grow, take on new responsibilities, et cetera. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And, and, and I guess one of the roles of the leader is to set those expectations and to map that out. And I, I certainly know that's, that's one really good difference I see in organizations today that didn't exist. That's that's um, it. You, you can you can see it yeah. there. Or I, I guess if we look at maybe someone who's not a servant, not necessarily not a servant leadership, but let's look at the opposite end of the spectrum where you know it's autocratic. It's come in, do your job. Yeah. No interest in what you want and where you want to go. Yeah. That is what is going to make that employee live. Not yeah. that they're not getting the, 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 the promotion, but that there's no interest in actually helping yeah. them get the promotion. Yeah. All we need to do is to find some way of filtering out the hypersensitive snowflakes from those. <laughs> people and then it would be a perfect world now by the way on a serious note yeah um if i were to go into an organization mm-hmm. more on and just kind of be a fly on the wall mm-hmm. and that organization was strong on servant leadership yes mm-hmm. how would i notice what would i see well okay great that's a really really good question so that's really unpacking it and operationalizing it and really kind of making it you know making it concrete so what would you see you would see in most likely an organization where employees are happy and they're not going around with a face on them so to speak they're happy they're engaged with their work they're being developed to be the absolute expert in the roles that they're in but they're also being developed then um um, along with that to actually walk towards whatever it is their career goals are actually entailing. So the, the servant leader will support that, will have structures and policies and educational opportunities and all the rest of the stuff there that can actually support that going forward. You will see an organization that is committed to the maybe the community or environment that it is embedded in. And um, I suppose much like the I'd say much like the concept, but maybe not in some cases, but much like the concept of um, corporate social responsibility, where these big organizations, you know, are, are, are talking about being responsible to the communities where they're embedded and um, to maybe help the community or I suppose at the very, at the very least, not do, not cause any further harm. And whether that's being rolled out in, in the way it could is, 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 is questionable. You will see an organization where leaders are developing other leaders to be responsible for their um, roles and duties there's an accountability mechanism there but they're generally left to go and go and do that because they've actually been developed to the best they can for that role and then in turn that's actually then role model throughout the organization and everyone's doing that to each other and then at the customer level and the frontline staff be that sales staff or whoever it may be are absolutely treating the customers with the utmost respects and serving their needs so it's a kind of a, a, yeah. a loop. <clears throat> it's funny because having worked in lots of organizations and being that fly on the wall and just maybe going in and soaking up and observing what i notice is that if you go into an organization in q1 q2 q3 mm-hmm. of their fiscal year mm-hmm. you'll see that in some of the best organizations uh, yeah. around i'm talking thinking of the, you know the sales forces the zendesks of this world yes and you'll see that the employees are 
doing charity work in their part time. They're they're, they're, giving, they're giving to the community. Yes, there you have. Uh, there's a sense of community. <laughs> yes. you, I go into those organizations, and there's 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 a there's an energy, and it's a positive energy that you pick right. up on. That's what I noticed. Yeah. What I also noticed is that come Q4. Mm-hmm. everything changes okay it's like that that energy that positive energy sucked out now it's not replaced by a negative energy yeah it's replaced by almost a sense of stasis it's like it's shh, we're busy here like <laughs> it's like when you go into a library yeah. and you know it's different it's, there's no negative energy in a library it's just it's an absence now the okay. people are busy so yes. i'm not saying that they're not doing not things it's the, but yeah, it's yeah. like you know it's like i'll talk to you in in a three months time. <laughs> and and, and it, to me, it's like, there's this gravitational pull mm. that, that servant leadership as a concept on these organizations has a, is, is, is a gravitational pull. But on the other side, mm-hmm. there's, the, uh, there's the draw of, we need to make our numbers. It's the practical, mm-hmm. the practical pull. Yes. And it seems to me there's this, it's like the, the, the way the earth goes through seasons. And, 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 and it orients on its axis and there's the, the uh-huh. gravitational pull on tides and how that there's that ebb and flow. And, and, and that's what I notice. It's not, yeah. you don't see one example of it. It's, it's a constantly changing. It's um, dynamic and fluid. Yeah. I think that's the, you've, you've, you've really described that in a good way. Now, I, I, I suppose I'm not you know, too sure on the organizations that you've, you've visited and, and whether you know, there's servant leadership or the embodied servant leadership. If you look at actually any of the really big companies and go onto their websites and look at their mission statements and values, you know, you'll see listening to staff, employees, all the stuff that we're really talking about. They may not name servant leadership and it may not be considered a servant leadership approach, but they would maybe draw on some of the core values that are actually embodied in, in servant leadership. I think the other thing that you mentioned is, is quite interesting as well, and that I don't, you know, I, I, obviously organizations go through different spells, they have different stresses. And look, a servant leadership organizations are absolutely going to get stressed and go through all that stuff as well. I don't think it really, servant leadership would mitigate and be a protective factor against the, some of the stuff that's going on. But at the same time, if, if, you, if you look at it, it really is, I suppose, a spectrum because servant leadership is, is, is essentially about human relationships. We're all fallible and we all make mistakes. Um, you know, we make mistakes every day. And servant leaders, leaders will fail every day. But I think probably one of the, the key differentiating factors here is that servant leadership, well, may, may not be a key differentiating factor, but between maybe some of the autocratic leaders, if we look at something like maybe Trump, they will own that. They will take responsibility for what's going on within the yeah. personal relationship because they have a good sense of awareness about themselves. And I suppose, um, when, for example, when I'm teaching my servant leadership, I have a couple of um, reflective self-awareness exercises in it that I absolutely must be doing. And that's around your relationship with power. Um, and, you know, whether if you're an autocratic uh, leader and with, with, with a strong need for power, that's probably going to be in all likelihood a really, really corrosive approach within an organization and um, make me often really cancerous and you, know, you have people running out the door for other jobs lower paid and, and probably worse organizations just because of that one leader the leader absolutely sets the tone for an organization or, and, and then you can even kind of bring that down into different departments because big organizations they're all disconnected in some way sure. so at really each department level you can have a wide variety of different leadership styles and i think 
probably one of the good things for me about servant leadership is that you're bringing that more towards a standardized model of leadership, although it'll be played out a little bit differently because it's human relationships. And I guess one of the things when you, I noticed with different leadership styles in the one organization is that you have that dynamic going on and maybe you have some people who you know are invested maybe in the authoritative and the power control oh. micromanage it's just it there's just so many different mixed messages within the organization oh. that just it, it can really really impact on how it's run yeah <clears throat> i see it also as more of a practical answer to the challenges organizations face because at the end of the day, organizations care about how they do uh, in terms of their key metrics, share price, oh, yes. of course. et cetera, et cetera. Right? So that, that is the bottom line. You can't get away from that because that's what investors care about. And mm-hmm. so investors don't care how you get there so long as you get there. Right. Now, bring that back. Mm-hmm. The practical challenge a lot of the organizations, certainly I work with in, in mm-hmm. that tech space, is f- getting the right employee. Mm-hmm. and holding on to them yes and therefore absolutely. therefore absolutely. they out of, for practical reasons have mm-hmm. to take an employee first uh, approach first now mm-hmm. when i say the challenge of finding them and keeping employees in sales organizations that's always a big challenge mm-hmm. it's really hard to find good ones and yep. the good ones are then in demand elsewhere like, absolutely but but in the exact same organizations i could go into the finance department mm-hmm. and you you don't see Mm-hmm. examples of that servant leadership. Now, I'm not saying it's the opposite either. I'm not yep. saying it's autocratic in nature, but you yep. don't see that atmosphere, that energy that mm-hmm. you'll find in the sales organization because mm-hmm. they don't have that same practical problem. And so therefore, maybe, and I'm asking the question, I guess, yeah. is is, it, is servant leadership really about practicality uh, more than anything else, rather than being authentically, because if I if I look something I wrote down I thought was interesting was characteristics of a servant leader: mm-hmm. uh, service first, high on empathy, high on empowerment, and humility. Mm-hmm. That sounds like you know, that sounds like an that's a that's an ideal that okay. somebody who's high on all of those all of the time in all situations, I- uh, regardless of outside influences and environment. Yeah is is somewhat unrealistic and therefore do they exist yeah they do but really what you see mostly i think mm-hmm. is the practical one and that i wonder and, and probably this is the test daryl okay is, is that if the circumstances change where the economy say tanked mm-hmm. and yeah. and and it wasn't an employee market mm-hmm. would leadership style change Okay. Okay. There's, I, I, I guess you've got a lot there. I think your first and foremost answer that the, the first part, servant leadership most definitely will be situated in the ideology realm. So, you know, we need to name that and, and, and actually say that because that's also important. And it is a philosophy. And as I probably alluded to um, when we first start speaking is that, yes, it is, I suppose it's a bit of a philosophy and it's a bit of a lifelong journey as well. It's more than just going in and you know, banging the stick and the end result of money is all that matters. I would say this, for organizations that want short-term stockholder um, finances and want to make money above and anything else, servant leadership is absolutely not the approach for that organization in those circumstances. If you want long-term sustainability based on brand, servant leadership is 
really really up there in the approach that you probably want to take oh. now, look we can take as much money in as we want like we see it we you know we see it in society these ethical unethical decisions made by certain institutes and i suppose um uh, governance structures have, have really look at the banks look look what happened in 2008 all those unethical decision making and that they were allowed to happen impacted on society really really bad that wouldn't happen with a certain leadership led organization and some of the characteristics you spoke about, and this is, again, probably back to what I said when we first started speaking, is that servant leadership exists on a spectrum. So there's no that that black and white piece is not there. You know, empathy, we all empathize at different levels or, you know, our ability to empower employees are, are going to be mediated maybe from the, 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 the power needs we have as individuals and, and how we go about managing. But I guess if your intention is to have that as your um, way of being more times than not. Well, then that would probably bring you more into a servant leadership approach. Yeah. Um, so if you're about short-term finances, servant leadership is not, the, is not the approach to your organization. It's more a longer-time sustainable model of business. Well, there's a couple of things in that that jump out at me, and, and I might contradict myself slightly here, is that if you have, using the banks as an example, mm-hmm. uh, a situation where the CEO of a bank is rewarded based on the, the, the share, to keep it simple, share price of the mm-hmm. bank. Then yeah. that CEO is going to look at how do we increase the share price? Of and course. They're going to look at their loan books and products and so many innovative ways of yes. driving up shareholder value. So that's on one side. And on the other side, you have typically, typically employees and banks don't tend to move around. There's a, there's a security that comes with that lifelong role of the bank. Absolutely. It's very different mm-hmm. to the sales organizations we speak about. There's another factor as well, which I wonder if it plays in. I saw a program, uh, I'm sure you can find it on YouTube. I think it was Tomorrow's World. It was a BBC program. And they were looking at the idea of priming, how subconscious clues can influence the, our behaviors. Yes. And one of the things they did was this um, experiment and they got a group of volunteers in and, and, and this group of volunteers were told that they had to count a pile of um, paper with mm-hmm. their, their dominant hand behind their back. And it, it, was, it was sold to them as a dexterity test. Okay. But it wasn't, obviously, it was a ruse for some other purpose. <laughs> and so what they did was half the volunteers were given a, a stash of blank pieces of paper, mm-hmm. the size of a 50 euro note. And the other group were given real cash to count. Okay. And then what they did was they followed the people from both groups, hidden cameras, as they went back to their desks in their organization. And what they had was, as they moved through the building, mm-hmm. they had stooges who were set up to do this, uh, walk by with a stash of papers and, and drop them suddenly. And they, what they wanted to see was the people who were primed with the concept of money, if they would, how they would behave. Mm-hmm. And, and, and to a person almost, mm-hmm. the people who have been primed with money, who have been counting money for the past hour, mm-hmm. Just, did, just looked and, and kept going, didn't stop to help. Yeah. Where the pe- others, as you can imagine, it was the opposite. They stopped to help. Yeah. <laughs> and, they went and, and, they, and they took another t- tack on it where they got people to put their arm into a vat of uh, iced water. Okay. How long can you hold your hand into that? Which is excruciating if you've ever tried it, right? And, uh, 
and the people who've been primed with money could keep their hand in there for some, I'm, I'm, now I, I could have the figure slept somewhat wrong, but it was like 40% longer. It was a substantially uh, greater length of time. And what they concluded from that was that money at a subconscious level changes how we, how we interact with the world, that it is seen as a source of independence yeah. And, uh, you know, and as, as, what does that mean for us? Well, we're individual, we're eye-centered. Yeah. Which comes back to then how organizations are structured in terms of their KPIs. If it's all about the individuals, then that influences. That's so I, I think it's, it's, we often present it, and I, I, this is me just exploring it with you, yeah, is, 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 is in terms of characteristics. Yeah. But I wonder if it's doomed to fail unless people also look at the environment in which people work in at a, at a kind of a deeper level, you know, what's the colors of the rooms? Mm -hmm. is, is, is it bright and yeah. airy versus stuffy mm -hmm. and closed, mm -hmm. is it too warm, too cold? I think these things prime how we feel. Absolutely. And kind of yeah. impact how, I, again, I'm asking the question. It's, uh, I, yeah, I, I haven't came across that, that specifically in, in, in that sense, but it's, it's, what you're saying is really, really interesting. And I, I suppose a couple of things are, are, are just jumping out at me. I think, first of all, servant leadership and making money, they're not mutually exclusive for and they don't have to be. I think you can have the drive to make money, but go about doing that in an ethical way that's going to really look after those around you. So but that's, that's one of the first things. Secondly, I don't think servant leadership is suited to everybody. I know in one of the publications that, I, that, that I've, um, I'm writing at the moment, I, I quote some of the research that was saying people who are um, really self-centered and selfish, they're, they're going to really, really struggle with servant leadership. And um, people with narcissistic tendencies are going to struggle with it. Those who are in a command and control may struggle with it, but you can really, you, you can bring them over, I think, with, you know, with a bit of work and, and, and with a bit of development. A lot of people have styles of leadership and management that they learned off other people. So that was their really orientation into how to be a leader. And if you're getting that from a, someone who was, you know, not really a good leader, well, then that's going to carry over into yourself. The other thing is that, and, and probably this probably links in a little bit more to what you were saying, is that it's, it is a little bit oxymoronic or a little bit of a contradiction that where servant leadership is probably going against some biological needs for self-preservation. So again, that's about, you know, and we'll all have those at different levels and to different strengths, depending on, you know, genetics maybe and a lot of other stuff there that's going on. And in addition to what's going on in the wider environment, as you were speaking about, so within that space, it's about trying to reorientate re those needs that you have for self out towards others. However, and paradoxically, you get back what it is you're giving away multiple times in some cases. And even if you have a strong need for power, you're using, you're using that power need by giving a certain amount of power away, which in itself kind of feels a little bit powerful. So it's about trying to do things in, 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 I suppose, a more positive way is probably a, a way to describe it. Yeah, I'm, I'm one, again, coming back to the practical nature of it, if servant leadership, we can create an environment in which it's encouraged, but really, if we want people to be truly have that characteristic and to be, you know, oriented that way before you even get to, or, to the organizational level, it mm -hmm. starts with parents, parents putting their kids first. Mm -hmm. Yes. Not, not themselves first. And sometimes people mistake that they'll give toys and gifts to their kids thinking that they're doing it for their children, but they're not. They're doing it to assuage their own guilt, right? They're doing it for themselves. But also schools, teachers, yeah. 
in terms of putting their students first. And I know any teacher, if they were listening to this, would be highly offended by me even suggesting that they don't put their students first. But some do, and they're, they're always the best teachers. And you think back to school, it's easy to pick them out because yes. you know they had the pupil's interest at heart. Yes. And then you can pick the others who are doing it just because it was a job. Absolutely, and, and you, what you're talking—I guess what you're talking about there is the, I suppose, the motivation on the part of the person, but also that it's it, it, it's done through relationships. It, it, and mm. ultimately, all this is based on relationships. You mentioned a good uh, uh, analogy there with parents. Oh, you have one that I often use when I'm describing servant leadership. I'll tell you. So let's think of of, of servant leadership and the organisation as a house. The house is the organisation. The parents are the leaders, and the children are the employees. Oh. and um, the parents may set the vision for children. So, you know, the vision and the mission. So they have some idea of where they want the children to go. Children may not always agree with that. And so it's a bit that the parents, and if you're doing what, the opposite to what you described, you're tending to their needs. So, you know, so you're looking after the children's needs, not what you want or you think is happening, but their developmental needs. So you're, you're actually, um, I suppose, encouraging them and, and really looking after them and helping them grow into in adults. And then I suppose if we want to look at our governance and policy level, all the bills and, and, and different um, expenditures, you know, represent all, all different kind of what's happening within an organization. So the parents, the leaders do set that. So they set the mission, the value, okay? And there's a great, actually, I don't know if it was in that publication that you read. It's that, you know, you have the pyramid, the right side up, you know, the leader sets the mission, you know, the, 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 the mission, the values and the direction. And then one simple thing, but really difficult to do, after that set, the traditional hierarchy is flipped upside down. The leaders are then down here and they're serving their employees to meet that mission. And that yeah. goes all the way down to the customer level. Yeah, it's a difficult one because I think as a parent myself, I, I look at it and I go, for my children is I will support whatever they want to do as long mm -hmm. as they make them happy. Now, that, yeah. that's, a, that's a very broad statement and in itself, it's not enough. Yeah. I also then will look at what they're doing and if I feel it's going to be detrimental to them, we'll have a conversation. Absolutely. Um, but what I on the flip side, I'm thinking... All of this has cost a lot of money. And it's a one it's a one-way flow of money. That said, if it results in them growing and becoming independent, yes. Then and, and again, the, you know, that's where I guess it diverges from service leadership and organization where yeah. the entire organization has the same agenda. Parents and children don't have the same agenda. Exactly. The agenda yeah. is different. Yeah. But yeah. but but in terms of the mindset of it's, I'm not my children's servant. And maybe, maybe it's the term that, it, that, it that really people are confused with. I'm not Absolutely. their servant, but I'm there to make their hopes and dreams happen as best as I can. And that comes from encouraging. It comes from investing in their education, spending time with them, <laughs> not knocking them, not trying to follow my agenda, all of these things. You're describing everything that happens in a servant leadership organization there, really. Yeah, you yeah, yeah. Do you know what? It's the term, I think. Okay. And, and Paul, yeah, I absolutely agree with you. I think um, it, it is the term. I've been speaking to you know a fair amount of people lately about this. Um, it is the term. And I suppose it's the whole cultural connotations that come along with servant. But it's not the, um, it's not the leader. Uh, um, uh, it's not the servant as leader. It's the leader 
a servant and you're still the leader you know you're still at the organization your needs still matter your direction and what you want to happen you know you still go in and have frank conversations with employees and let them know look you know your performance is not up to scratch how can we and but instead of getting a stick out and and, and whipping them the, the first part of the call is how can we help support you what is it you need from us to to help you develop and i suppose turn this um, performance around so that's really it's 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 the so the whole idea of, of servant it brings up um, it conjures up certain images that we i suppose culturally and historically yeah. have been there yeah. um so but at the other side of that all and, and i suppose you know you may disagree and, that, and that's okay as well you know, all leaders' jobs are to serve others. And when I say serve others, I mean, I don't mean make you a cup of tea again. It's, it's not no, no, about, it is. Absolutely. It's, it's, I, I yeah. actually shared, I don't know if you came across it on LinkedIn yesterday, um, Arnold Schwarzenegger's speech. It's, uh, it was about Trump. Yeah, no, I've seen it. It's good. And he's um, absolutely, uh, yeah. I had goose pimples listening to it. Um, yeah. It's, it is about putting those needs of all those around you first. Um, if you're going in, yeah. your own needs first, all this other stuff, the good stuff that leadership actually results in is, is, is going to be destroyed. Um, it, it's just so, so corrosive. And a lot of people are doing servant leadership to a large extent. Um, but I'd say to them, you're a servant leader. And no, I'm not. Because there's still a level of I'm the leader, I'm in charge, and it's about me, even though they may be doing some of the, you know, the good characteristics with it. So, it's, you know, it's just about helping shift that over a little bit more. We describe servant leadership as the mode, the mindset, and the motivation. So the motivation is serving others' needs. The uh, the mindset is a reorientation of your own needs towards others. And the um, mode, sorry, the mode is that's based on one-to-one relationship. Yeah. I, I, I wonder, I wonder if in sales organizations, I see more examples. Now, I, I, I know when I say that I'm exposed to sales organizations okay. more than anything else in terms of companies. So mm-hmm. it's that department, the sales department, I would see a lot more. Mm-hmm. However, I've worked in large organizations in other departments. So I have that broader experience. And I think what's different in sales is that to be good in sales, sorry, let me reverse that. You cannot be successful in sales without a servant mindset in, in, the, in, the, in the way you use servant, right? Okay. Mm-hmm. For a customer, you have to put yourself, what is it they need? What is it they want? How do I serve that up in a way that they can consume it and yes. feel comfortable in an environment that's conducive to working together, yes. right? So, so people who are good at it, get mm-hmm. that. People yes. who are poor at it, don't get it. They'll go in and they'll go, me, me, me. Here's 10 reasons why you should do business you know, with us, why we're the best. We're the leading provider of blah, 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 blah. Right? Yeah. But people who get it. And therefore, by the time those reps bubble up to become managers and leaders mm-hmm. in their organization, they already get the whole concept of achieving mm-hmm. through influencing Yes, there you go. Right. And, so, and, and services, it comes with that, right? Yes. And therefore, they look at their employees as a conduit to meeting their own goals. And they say, I cannot meet my own goals unless these individuals in this team are successful individually and as a team. Yes. And how do mm-hmm. I achieve that? So they're also problem solvers. And they say, okay, these individuals, they're all individuals. They all have their own needs. Mm-hmm. And how... Ha- and so they're, it really is a sales mindset. It, it is. It, a, it, as, when I say sales mindset, 
it's not the typical the, the stereotypical sales that yeah. people would understand but as we would in the mm -hmm. world that understands sales as something that is there to uh, achieve a mutually agreed upon set of mm -hmm. outcomes yes that that's what service leadership is is just what they do with customers put into the context of an internal uh, engagement Yes, that, that, that sounds good. It's a good analogy. I just want to pick up on something you spoke about. You talk about problem solving and it was to link that back to the characteristics that be like conceptualizing. So the whole idea of conceptualizing is about being able to actually see what's going on in the organization, what has gone you know, before and what's to come yeah. after and well, being able to conceptualize that and put it into words to um to the rest of the staff and to the benefit of the organization. Yeah. I want to use two examples of servant leadership that you might yeah. find interesting. And they might be probably a little bit out there at the really high end of the spectrum, but I actually think they're really, they're really good. They come from, um, have you come across Ken Blanchard? He's, he's a big... I know uh, the name, yeah. He's yeah, the... um uh uh the, the might, no, who moved my, not who moved my cheese. Uh, what was it? Uh, I can't think of the name, but yeah, I, I know the I know the guy's name. He's, he yes. has lots of books, management yeah, books, yeah. and, and yeah. he'd be firmly within servant leadership as well as as with other other approaches. And um, but one of his paper he talks about in a servant leadership organization. So there's two examples. The first one was being a go, he gives an example of a guy comes into a, uh, I think it was like a pharmacy or a big store that sells perfume, and he goes up to the counter to the to the 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 the, 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 uh, the girl that was the customer service. And asked for a bottle of perfume. They hadn't got it in the shop, but instead of sending them off on his way, what the what, what, what the girl behind the counter done was this. She says, "Look, we don't have it in stock at the moment. However, I can go and get it for you in another shop, and I'll charge you the same amount." So off she went, bought the perfume in another shop, brought it back, wrapped it, and charged them what she had paid for it in the other shop. Like you can't, for branding purposes, you just can't yeah. eat something like that. Now, obviously, if you, it's not, you know, you wouldn't be able to do that if there's a queue down the road. But for branding purposes and for customer loyalty to come back to you, um, you just can't beat something like that. Let's look at like what's happening with Air at the moment, the amount of customers they have leaked. I left them three years ago because of the, the, the you know, they treat their customers Ooh. absolutely shocking. The, the exodus, hundreds, thousands of, of customers gone. That's money gone all because they wanted to scrape, um, save on, a, on, a, on a, maybe a few pence from um, outsourcing their, their communications or whatever the case was. The second example is, is in a big store in America where, where the, the management decided, look, we believe that people are basically good, okay? If someone comes into the store after buying something and wants to exchange it and they've lost the receipts, we're going to exchange it anyway. Their belief is that, you know, 99%, 99.9% of people are good, have good attentions and then are in stealing from them, okay? So instead of, you know, the minority that may actually do that, and go in and try and you know steal stuff and make money back. We want to hold on to our customers that are actually um, you know have bought stuff but want to exchange it. By not exchanging it, our, our, our rationale is that we you know more than likely lose them. Now both those examples are on the extreme side, but it does speak to um, and demonstrate a servant leadership approach and how that builds customer loyalty and, and brands. And I'm using that in, in as an to compare against somewhere some, something like air. Yeah, it's a hard one to get right because people is, take yeah. the piss then as well. Because I've seen that you mentioned Absolutely. that he, my, my brother lives in the states and he so many examples. He says you go into Costco. He said he was standing there in the at the service desk. Somebody brought in a half-eaten turkey after Thanksgiving and said they didn't really enjoy it and they got their money back. Like they just don't. Because here's the thing: Costco just shit on their suppliers. 
Yeah. And they throw it back to the suppliers. Costco didn't lose many money on that. Okay. And and there is that, you know, at, at some point, and you see people who take a dress, wear it to a, 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 a somewhere they're going, and then take it back the next day. Oh, I didn't like it. Yeah. And, and that's that's taking the piss then. But yeah, I'd, I'd, I'd agree. I think it is about balance. And, and, yeah. and again, we're, we're, we're doing this. We're keep, I know we're digressing know, a little bit as well, but. Keeping in mind that yeah. the, 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 the state, you're, I suppose you're making these decisions, not just based on that, but based on the whole organization as a whole and their needs and of course finances and all the rest of that stuff. So the decisions made in, in, in those type of instances are made on behalf of the organization as a whole. And look, if, if, if you find that when you start doing that and people do start taking the piss and if, you know, a hundred people then start looking to change, well, no, ethically, um, and with your duty to, to shareholders, I think you would have I've to I've been trying that. to conceptualize the, and simplify it as we've gone through this. And again, I'm going to put this obviously into a sales mm-hmm. organization context. Mm-hmm. And, I work with a number of organizations who they have their direct sales force, but then they also, many of them work through partners. They're, mm-hmm. they're big companies and they work through these smaller partner organizations. Mm-hmm. Those partner organizations can sell products from any of their partners. They don't have, so if I'm a, say an Oracle and I've mm-hmm. got Oracle partners, well, those partners can also sell IBM as okay. an example. Yeah. So I need to treat my partners well. And they do, and they, and, they, and they do a great job with them and they put a lot of resources into them. Sure. And it's a partnership. Mm-hmm. So it's not a subservient relationship. Yes, okay. Um, and it's a two-way street. There's a give and take. And mm-hmm. when it works well, it works really, really well. Yes. I think that's the model. If mm-hmm. we apply that to internal employees and yeah. see them as partners, mm-hmm. people who can, at a whim, go somewhere else if they, if they want to. And if we just said, we'll treat them exactly and put the same resources into it, um, I think we'd, we'd, we'd nail that. I, I agree with you. And that, that, that's, you know, that's exactly, I think, what we try to do with Serum Leadership. Is it's, it's put those resources, the time, the energy, the, the relationship, first of all, let them know, look, I care about you. You're not just another cog in a wheel. And we go right back to, um, you know, the division of labor and how, you know, when factories first started and, you know, the... the, the mm-hmm on the line someone's doing that someone's doing this and they never knew each other they probably didn't know their manager they're probably being whipped but they got away with that as daryl as well because that goes back to the idea of that those employees needed the job and, and if they it, spoke up they lost their job lost their livelihood no social welfare screwed absolutely and yeah. what and what we were trying to link it to now is that you just wouldn't get away with that these days because everyone but millenniums in particular and the new, the new generations want more than just money it's yeah. about they want their values and intentions to be, they want to work for organizations that have values and intentions that are aligned with their own values and intentions. And I think yeah. that's what servant leadership does. Um, in Sorry, the, I'm, 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 I'm smiling, Darren, because as you say that, I thought straight of an organization I did some work with. And uh, for obvious reasons, I will not name them. Of course. But, of course. but uh, one of their customers was the White House. Okay, and, and this particular organization, a number of the employees were not Trump supporters. And they went to the CEO of the company and they said, unless you get rid of this customer, mm-hmm. uh, I don't know if they said we're off, but they certainly went and expressed their, their dissatisfaction oh, with the yeah, fact that yeah. the, the uh, Trump regime was, was a customer. Okay. <laughs> and, uh, and the CEO said, yeah. Now, I, I heard that and I thought, what? Like, tell them to sling their hook, right? That would be, <laughs> right? So 
I'm not saying that. Perhaps what he did was the right thing because they didn't renew the okay. the the service or whatever the the account they had. They didn't renew it, and 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 maybe that was the right thing to do for that mm-hmm. organization. Said, look, mm-hmm. our employees, our values are important to us, yes. and, and and they were the ones who hired those people, so they knew what they were hiring. Yeah. So maybe that is authentic. Maybe that is servant leadership uh, at its best. I think it's just good leadership at its best, Paul, yeah. as well, to, to, to be yeah. frank. I think, and, and they back the right horse. I, well, there, well, there you go. Look, I, <laughs> I think if we look out into society now, to just all these older, even the, a lot of the old leadership approaches weren't leadership approaches anyway. They're more managerial cool. approach. And look, as you, as you well know, we have come into a more, I suppose, value-laden leadership approaches. So serving, transformational, leader-member exchange, all, all, all these different approaches where, um, you know, it's not about the hierarchy. It's about being ethical, doing the right thing and living the values, walking the talk, I suppose, is something that we always hear in, in, in the leadership kind of domains. Cool. Walking the talk. And, and the organisations out there they're just not getting away with probably what they used to have in old times but certainly all these millennials people the high the high powered employees you know the the, the computer whizzes those that actually make money for organizations but the money is 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 starting to become a secondary for a lot of people look at money is important we all love money you know and certainly there's a lot of money as well (laughs) but yeah if, if I'm going to work for an organization whose values don't just align with my own, I'm mean, just going in for the paycheck. It, it's just not going to work out. We want organizations yeah. to have a higher, higher purpose, yeah. I suppose, that are contributing to society in some meaningful way and that you get an, yeah. op- a, 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 an opportunity to contribute um, in that meaningful way that's aligned to your own values. Dar, we're almost up on time. I'd like to Brilliant. summarize it. And I've really enjoyed our conversation. Oh, it's been oh, really yeah. insightful. Really Thank you. Thank you. Uh, is uh, what I see a lot of online these days, and it's it's not really about leadership or management. It's more about uh, our, our human characteristics. Mm-hmm. I see a lot. And, and maybe, by the way, it was always true. I remember as a kid being brought to church every Sunday, and you'd always see the same people dressed the same way, and they'd always go up to the top, make sure everybody saw that they were there yeah. <laughs> and because you'd know what was going on in their lives behind the scenes and you kind of go, oh, those, those do not match. And it, you see a lot of it on social media, this virtue signaling where people, you know, they'll put up a post saying, you know, in the context of COVID restrictions, went for my walk today, hashtag within my five kilometers or uh, met up with an old friend, hashtag, uh, you know, my support bubble or something like that. But there's an awful lot of, now it also speaks to a, an insecurity, but there's a lot of that. To me, servant leadership from everything you said is about doing the right thing when nobody's watching. Absolutely. Integrity. There you go. Doing the right thing when nobody's watching. You, yeah. you, 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 you can't say it better than that, I, I don't think. I think that's a great way to maybe finish up and, and summarize it on. Right Darryl, thank, thank you so much for being my guest today. Where can people get in contact with you? What's the best way? Um, well, I'm, I'm on LinkedIn, Daryl Mahan. I've also an Outcome Matters page on LinkedIn, and I also have a Outcome Matters page on Facebook as well. And my Perfect. I'll put a link to those in the video. Brilliant. Thank you. Thank you, Paul. Been You're a star. Really-